we're going to talk about the power of your testimony. Uh, and it does have a lot of power. We're going to start out in Acts 22. Paul here is talking uh, to a mob in Jerusalem, and he is uh, sharing his testimony. And we're going to see how he does that here. It says, uh, it's a little bit long, so. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they had heard he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of uh, Gamaliel, uh, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted the way... Christians back then. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear, bear me witness. Uh, from them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus uh, to take those also who were there bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way, I drew near to Damascus. About noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. Father God, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, just to uh, share this message, Lord. I just pray that you would put your words, Lord, uh, into my mouth, Lord, that you would you would put hearts this morning, Lord, and that we would we we would be able to leave here. Uh, this morning, being able to uh, know that the power, your power, Lord, is in the testimony that you've given us. Your power is in the day, is is uh, in our words when we share about the day, Lord, that you came into our life. Okay. So, um, your testimony, we talk about testimony, and we can testify to a lot of things. Like, I can I can testify to what God did for me this week, or last year, or, you know, in, in the midst of cancer. Um, but the testimony in your life is the day that Jesus impacted you in a way that affected you ever, right? And we're, when we're able to share that in the right way, we can change lives. Well, God can change lives through our story, Right? And so that's, and, and Paul here gives us a really great template for how to do that. And so we're going to kind of break down exactly what, what Paul was saying and, um, and see how we can, eventually see how we can apply that to our own testimony. So um, first thing Paul did was he recognized that he wasn't good, right? He said, he said, I was zealous for God, but I was 
I was persecuting the Christians. As a matter of fact, uh, if you don't know much about Paul's life, he was actually laying his coat at the feet of those who would stone believers to death, right? And so, what I what I think that we do a lot of times when we're sitting there, when we're when we're thinking about the testimony that God's given us, is is and I've heard this many a times, is like, well, I wasn't that bad. And what can happen when we when we do that, when we view it that way, is Jesus is kind of like a plus one. Right? I mean, if I was pretty good, then God just took me the rest of the way. It wasn't all his. And rightly said, we should recognize that it was all God in the midst of that process, right? But but we're in a day and age, really, where um, where we have to feel built up. We have to feel like we're, at our core, a good person. And it's hard, especially, see, it's, I think it's maybe a little bit, it's a little bit easier, maybe, if you have some confidence to go, yeah, I, I mess up in some areas, man. God's pulled me along the right way. But I know uh, when you don't have a lot of confidence, I've seen people, like, it's really hard to go, yeah, I'm just, because people have told you that, right? Maybe people have told you that. And it's really hard to go, you know what, I recognize I'm just not that good. At my core, I'm just not that good. And uh, But in order to see how good God is in your life, right, I think that we have to be able to recognize that. That's not a bad thing because that's all of us, right? If we see it right, there's the, Jesus said there, there's not one good. <laughs> there's not one good. So, uh, so the first step to understanding your testimony the right way is just to recognize, like, not all that good, but no worries, you're not alone. <laughs> you are not alone because we are all right there with you. Um, the second thing he does after he talks about, he recognized the day that God had such an impact in his life. He said, this light shone all around me, and it must have been a pretty powerful light because it says it knocked him to his face. God is attention. Um, I think that I know that all of us who have said, you know, who have accepted Christ, that that yes, have had that moment where God had an impact like that in our life. Now, what we what we will tend to do over time is we'll kind of play that down, or we'll we'll um, we'll move on to. Paul talks about moving on to, you know. Uh, finishing out our salvation, if you will, uh, we start moving on to those types of things. But um, but we had that moment, and and if you haven't spent time um, just remembering and reflecting on what God did for you in that moment, uh, then you know you missed missed out on some really important things. So he he remembers the light uh, and and the blindness. That's pretty significant. So. Um, and then he called him Lord. Jesus did for Paul something that nobody else could do. He and uh, he shined a big light, 
which without a flashlight, nobody else can do, right? Um, and he made him blind. But he didn't just make him blind, right? He brought it back. So that's, that's pretty important, too. But, uh, again, something that happens to all of us at that like at that moment, I've seen, uh, you know, I've, I've shared many a times, you know, one of the things that affected me at an early age was, you know, uh, my, my, my dad was always kind of a, you know, a uh, men don't cry, right? And, and then we're in a Christian church, right? And, and like I saw him cry, I thought. And that was really, it may not have been like significant to him, but that was really impactful for me because I remember getting in trouble. I remember actually physically getting in trouble for having those types of emotions, and yet God did something for him, and it was it made such a big impact on me. Now, not the kind of impact where I was uh, where I where I went on following Christ and, and doing <laughs> not that kind of impact, but it but it was significant to me. It was significant enough at eight years old where I remember it at forty two. There you go. Um, but he called him Lord because. He had done something in Paul, to Paul, that nobody else could do. And so, uh, and then the last thing he does after, after, God, uh, after God shines the light on him and he calls him Lord, his response was, what do I do now? And we, we have a whole list of things because the Bible t- tells us you know, have to have one God, not to lie, not to commit adultery, and all this. So we have a whole list of things that we really want to do, but that's not what Paul did. That's not what Paul did. He said, "What do I do now?" And so, um, and so, when you're thinking about your testimony, I think this is a really great template. Give God the credit for the thing that only God can do. Right. Recognize that, like, if you think about this, like. God who created the universe. If you think just for a second about how big that is, even though we can't wrap our mind around it, took time to pay attention to you. I mean, right? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. You know, I, I, we get into Christian circles and we almost take that for granted a lot of times, but he paid attention to you. That's, that's a big deal. So, um, Israel in the Old Testament was God's chosen people. He chose them out of everyone, right? And uh, if you'll turn over to Joshua chapter 4, Israel, although they had been told many and many a times, Israel was on repeat forgetting that God had called them to be his people. They were, prophets were always going to Israel saying, remember what the Lord did for you in Egypt, right? Remember, meditate on his law, remember, remember, remember. And so, um, one of the things uh, I, again, impressed upon me about my own testimony is like, you have to, now, I remember it quite often, some of you guys have heard my testimony about seven times, so, um, bonus material, you're going to get to hear it again. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> um, um, 
But we have to remember that, right? Remember it the way that it happened, always giving credit to God, because when we remember, well, we'll... So, Israel's called at this point. They just spent years and years of slavery, and God's called them out. He's calling them into a land that had been promised to them hundreds of years ago, right? And so this is what happened. Uh, Joshua 4, we're just going to read 4 through 7 here. It said, Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? And then they shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And that's, our te- that's what our testimony should be. In the Old Testament, you see people building up altars that would, that would be reminders for them of the things that God was doing in their life. Uh, David talks about remembering the victories that we had in Christ, and why should we do that? Because, like we, for many reasons, but um, let's see, let's see what I wrote. <laughs> because, like I was saying earlier, Israel on repeat forget that God loves them. You know, we can go through stuff in our lives, right? And you get so wrapped up with the stuff that's going on in your life that you can actually forget that God pulled you out and that he cares about you. And now, that may not give you understanding about what's happening in your life at the moment, but it will give you confidence that the Lord's still working in the midst of that, right? That's important. That's important. We need to remember those things. And, and like I say, on repeat, the prophets were like, chosen. God pulled you out of Egypt. Like, it looks bad, but if you just turn back, everything's going to be great, right? So, um, now the end result was, and maybe to an extreme, the end result for Israel was they knew they were God's people, right? By the time Jesus came around, like, the problem wasn't that they didn't know they belonged to Christ, belonged to God. That wasn't the problem. They just thought that they were the only ones. <laughs> Which is why understanding our testimony is the right way, because sometimes we can get to a point, maybe we take too much credit, and we may look down on other people. Understood rightly, though, God chose, like, and he wants to choose that person that you're talking to. Right? They were chosen, too. He's just waiting for a yes and an amen. Your testimony can so, um, There's that. All right. Uh, I got two more scriptures. We're going to go to uh, Bob's, one of the scriptures Bob's pointed out to me in the past. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. All right. You know, it's a lot of scripture this morning, but hopefully I'm just trying. I, I want us to know that, like, it's not my opinion that we should do this. Like, we're shown on a repeat basis in the Bible that not only should we give proper credit, but we should remember and we should share what God's done in our lives. And so, 
So bear with me on all this. All right, chapter 2, 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, man, I love apologetics. It helps me, as a Christian, to just deepen my understanding of the God that I serve. Um, But I don't think it should be the primary tool for us in winning people to Jesus. If I could, in in such a clever way, persuade you to love Jesus, somebody could persuade you out of it. I'm not the smartest man on the planet, and neither are you. (laughs) If If you can be argued into the kingdom... Now, it sits there, and, and, we, and it's great for us because it helps us make sense. Like, helps us make sense of the thing that happened to it. But I just don't think that it's the primary source of us sharing our faith. Paul said, and Paul might have been the smartest guy. <laughs> I mean, Paul was super smart. He was uh, instructed under uh, a super well-respected, super intelligent, uh, guy, uh, Gamaliel, and if anybody could persuade you into the kingdom, it was probably going to be Paul, but he went to the Corinthians and said, and I, I didn't come trying to convince you God was awesome. I showed you. And your testimony can do that, right? I believe that your testimony can do that. Getting ahead of, I'm doing a, doing a dad, I'm getting ahead of my notes here. Let's see. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I always share. Like I, I I love like I love the fact that God's given me a message, and you'll listen to that message. I, I've shared that I've been nervous before because what I say matters right now. But I'm so confident. That God's given me the word. There's no, there's no, there's no nervousness here. Okay, so it may be clunky, but we're going to get there, man. It's going to make a lot of, <laughs> it's going to, it's going to make a lot of sense, man. And, and hopefully, you'll be able to leave here seeing your testimony in a different way, or spending time this week in your testimony so you can share it in the most effective way. Okay, so um, now, so persuasion can only go so far in that. And um, and then the one thing that man, I just couldn't get away from, I wanted to, but I couldn't get away from this, is um, the people's testimony that I worry about the most, Christians forever. And just too many times in my life when, we, when we've seen people sharing their testimony, the forever Christian has said, I've always loved God. I don't have any... I don't, nothing spectacular is bad to me. And I just feel like this. 
you've missed it. You haven't always known God. You may have always heard about God, but you haven't always known God. And um, but the but the feeling and the thought is is I've never had to overcome drugs. Had to overcome all these a a, a family of roughnecks. There you go. Uh, I've never had to overcome all of these great things, right? So my testimony is somehow not as significant. What about the fact that, I mean, uh, people who have grown up in the faith have seen the type of hypocrisy in the church. Still here. Right? You didn't let, that could have, in a carnal mind, that could have pulled you away and said, you know what? Um, I, I don't have to be a part of it. Right? But, but God held you, taught you in the midst of that. And there was a day for you like there was for the rest of us where God just showed up in a big way. That is not insignificant. <laughs> Matter of fact, you have a work in the ministry that I believe that is um, undervalued. Like there's just this oneness, this person God that's really hard for some of us who have been through a little bit more difficult life can't get to. So, uh, say that. And, and then also, that we... We run the risk as a, I, I, we, um, I think you run the risk as a, as a person who's grown up in the faith, undervaluing, of undervaluing God's judgment, right? That's, we, there's a lot of angles to look at the story of the prodigal son. One of the angles is, like, he really kind of took for granted that what was God's was already going to be his, or dad's was already going to be his. And I think that, if we don't value what God's done for us in that moment, we can, that can be a risk. So, um, we'll move on from there. Last scripture, but we're, this is a good one, man. You're gonna, I love it. I don't know what you think. <laughs> we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 40, where uh, I would have never thought this to be anything that had anything to do with the testimony, but it was amazing when I read it uh, right after heard that I was going to be sharing this message. Um, Isaiah Isaiah is kind of, God's telling Isaiah to go and comfort the people of uh, Judah. I think that's right. Is that right, Jason? Telling, him, telling uh, Isaiah to go and comfort his people. <laughs> There you go. Um, go and comfort his people. And what he's, and, and Isaiah's kind of processing through this. And so uh, we'll start in verse 3 here. And this will be familiar, but maybe not in this context. It says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain hill be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And um, thought of in the right context, as you're sharing your testimony with people who don't know Jesus, imagine yourself in this place, in a desert, right? We've seen this on, imagine the TV screen of the guy standing in the midst of the desert, and all he can see is sand. He doesn't have any direction, right? He's making the best of what he can see. 
sometimes what he sees isn't even real, right? <laughs> um, your testimony can provide a pathway, that highway through the desert takes them to the place where no, they should be, like where you know that they want to be. And, and, and so as I was sitting there and I was reading that, and, and uh, John the Baptist, of course, is who, who this was uh, uh, prophesied about, is making that way. And he's proclaiming the word of the Lord to the masses to make a way for them to meet Jesus. And when we understand, you know, some people think that you have to be awesome to get into the kingdom of God. How they could look around in the church and sit, see, think that, I don't know. But they do. They do. They th- somehow think that you have to be awesome to get into the kingdom of God. I have to have all my stuff together for God to accept me in. Your testimony says that's not true. Because I was broke. And I wasn't fixed. God didn't talk. No amount of apologetics. Can't share it. Right? So, uh, that's that. And then, uh, but Isaiah hasn't seen it, but well, he's seeing it rightly. But uh, God's going to explain something afterwards. He says, uh, in verse 6, he says, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And he's just like, what do you want me to comfort it with? He recognized, right, just as we've been talking, he recognized like I we're not great. We're not awesome. What am I proclaiming? I can't save them. I can't comfort them. Nothing I can do is going to help you in this process. He goes on. <laughs> because he doesn't stop with the fact that it's not awesome. The next several verses, I won't, I won't get in and read the whole thing, but the next several verses is where God's explaining to him that um, I'm in charge. Like, I called you to be my people, and I've I've pulled you guys in, uh, and you can depend on me. It says, uh, he goes on to talk about how he created the life, he created life and the heavens and the earth. Uh, Nobody provided him any knowledge because he has all of it. Um, He's strong and large, and he's everlasting. And uh, he's better than anything that they could think of or create. They were creating idols at the time. It's just like, your idols don't even do anything. He has, this is, this is something that's really significant and always stands out to me when I think about the bigness of God. God has the type of power where he can give it. I have what I have, but I can never give it. God's working out of a totally separate toolbox, right? We're working with the things that he gave us. I'm working with the power that God gave us. He has the type of power he can give away. Right? That's just good stuff. Um, 
And so Isaiah will sit there and, and uh, up. Isaiah is telling this or this this uh, area of Isaiah is, should give us some three really big comforts. One uh, that we get the opportunity because of what God's done in our life to share that with the people around and lead them into a relationship with Jesus. The second part of that is we don't have to be awesome. Uh, we shouldn't try to convince ourselves that we are. But, and that God, because he has all this awesome wisdom, knowledge, and power, been here forever, and he will be here forever, has called us into that, and, and he's... He's, we're on his side. So I was thinking about, shared my testimony several times, and I was thinking about, like, how does my testimony fit into the template that Paul kind of laid out for us? And so, and so if you're thinking about your testimony this week and you've never kind of put that into a, here's a five-minute version of how awesome God was in my life, Use Paul's te- template there, and, and it works out really good. I grew up, um, and God, many a times in my life, had, had had offered the opportunity, if you will, into uh, to be one of his. And I was kind of looking at um, what I felt like it took to be in God's good graces, and I said, that looks too hard. Or... Also, at other times, I said, I'm not interested. I like what I'm doing right now. And then, there was one day while I was driving across the bridge, and uh, I had just gotten word that my oldest son... the emotions of a dad, and then to add on top of that, I realized for the first time in my whole life, like, that we're going to die. Mortality entered into my mind for the first time at 30 years old. So I was confused, and I was upset, and I was scared, as I'm driving across, sobbing in a way that was ugly. God comforted me, and like I can't, like I literally throughout the process over the next nine months of, of watching him deteriorate. Literally, I had to, I had to, I had to pray to God. God, is it okay for me to have this much comfort right now in the midst of what's going on? Do I not care about him enough? And God is giving me that comfort, right? To the to the to the point where I got, I got to as his dad. I got to comfort some of the people that were around him. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And uh, so I remember on that bridge, I'm like, I'm probably coming off the bridge at this time, but I'm like, what do I do now? And God gave me a word about, I want you to be with my people. Okay. I go to Pastor Rod and I said, 
go to Pastor Adam and just like, I feel like this is what God told me. What do I, what do, I do with that? Next night, we don't have to do that. But it started a... So here, here's how that fits into Paul's template, right? So Paul... I wasn't killing Christians like Paul was, right? But I did reject the opportunities God had given me on repeat throughout my life. On repeat. And a big light didn't shine over top of me and cause me to be blind. But he did give me comfort in a way that nobody else could. that moment, in the same way that Paul was ready to call him Lord because some, he did something nobody else could do, I was ready to follow. And our responses were the same, and I know that they were for you guys too. What do I do now? What do I do now? So, I hope this just encourages you to take a different look, another look, a testimony how that plays out in the kingdom of God. And, uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, just to share this. I pray that it, would, it wouldn't be a thing, Lord, that, that people would hear this morning and walk away and, and, and it just uh, Monday morning can't remember what was spoken to them, Lord, but it's deep-seated in their heart, God. Help them to see the, how awesome you were in their lives, God. Help them to appreciate the life that they've had with you um, in a way that they never have before, Lord. And I just pray that um, that as they understand that, Lord, they can communicate that to people who don't know you in a way that makes them want to know you. seeing his obedience to God. I feel after that word as we're sitting here, I feel like God's got speaking to your hearts right now, some of you, and I feel like some of you are stuck in that place of, I went through something and you never did ask, or maybe you did ask, and you're stuck in the what now, and you haven't moved out of the what now, and you don't know what to do next, and I feel like God's trying to release you right now, I feel like God's trying to speak to your hearts, I think one thing Mike did was he called Pastor Rod immediately he had somebody walk through it with him I was very blessed, I got to walk through a whole lot of things with Mike because Mike knew he couldn't be alone in what he had to do when Paul said, what now God sent him to other believers to walk through it with him you're stuck in your right now, what now? Or if you're in a place you've never even made it to asking God, what now? Or maybe you're back in your what now. You were doing something, you're stuck where you're at. If you're stuck, and you're not moving forward, I believe you need to be up here. You need to let Mike pray over you. I feel like God has anointed him for this moment right here to be praying for us to move forward. 
we are stuck. Too many people stuck where they're at. And we're going to continue to worship, and you're free to go. But don't leave here until God releases you. Until you know what now. Do not leave. Mike didn't preach this message out of his own word. God preached this. Mike preached this message because God gave it to him for us. Do not walk out of here and let this message fall on deaf ears. Don't let God not have a powerful moment. He wants it in your life.